Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. And thanks for joining us on Power Your Life. And I'm Joanne White, and it's always a pleasure to be here. And what I want to do is just send out love and support to everyone all over the globe. Please take care of yourselves. Please be safe and be mindful of what you need to do, not only to take care of you, however, to take care of other people by practicing safe physical distancing. And remember to keep some humor, some lightheartedness, and to be compassionate with people. Many of us are going through challenges and fear, and this is a time to spread love. And we have a beautiful way to do that today with two wonderful authors who are really going to share a heart-to-heart journey, and we need to hear that right now. And I'm talking about both Catherine Weisenberg and Jocelyn Montanero. Kathleen Weisenberg has been sharing her unique ability to communicate and dialogue with God, the deceased, and also with coma patients for decades. She writes the conversations as they occur, calling them writings. Catherine is grateful to serve others by facilitating the transmission of spirit, wisdom, and healing energy incorporating the writings from retreat settings. She's created the concept of loveality, I love that, as a love-based approach to living and experiencing reality. That's probably the way we need to be right now. Jocelyn Montanero is an author and part-time lawyer. Her life took an unexpected turn when Catherine helped her speak to her husband, Kevin, while he was in a coma. As Kevin's body is falling and he's near death, Kevin speaks through Catherine. And with Catherine as a psychic guide, guide, excuse me, Kevin and Jocelyn freely communicate through Kevin's transition into death and his last goodbye with their children. This experience helped Jocelyn recognize her responsibility in sharing the story of love beyond ever after. Thank you both for being here. I think it's wonderful to have you and appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. My, it's my pleasure. So let, let's start it a little bit because, Jocelyn, you how did you meet Catherine and how did all this, this come about, this, this coming together and, and what happened with, with Kevin? So tell us a little bit of the beginnings of the story. Well, my husband, unfortunately, um, was had brain cancer, um, glioblastoma, and he was going in for surgery to remove the tumor, and um, this is a, it was a reoccurrence. And in the recovery, and the surgery went okay, but in the recovery room, an artery tore in his head, and he um, was in a coma for about a month. Um, and my sister had been friends with Catherine for years, and she, I knew that um, my sister believed that Catherine had this gift that she could communicate with God and people who were deceased and in comas, um, being a, a lawyer by training and uh, someone who kind of needs a direct experience for anything. I just didn't really believe any of that. And uh, But after a month, I uh, was kind of all out of hope and all out of ideas. Um, he wasn't waking up. We were supposed to be home in four days. And so finally, I, my sister kept saying, you should have Catherine do a writing for you. And I just kept saying, no, no, no. I mean, I didn't believe it in God, really. I mean, I hoped there was one, but I didn't really believe in it. But of course, I'd been praying like crazy for him to make my husband better, and he's just getting worse. So in my mind, this God is, you know, that could fix it isn't. And I'm mad at him, and I'm mad at everyone. And But finally, a month into it, I 
I thought, you know, what have I got to lose? And so we um, arranged a time to talk later, and we um, actually had the first session by phone. Catherine was in Washington State, and I was at UCLA with my husband. And uh, that's how we connected, and that's how it all began. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the shift in you in terms of your change of faith, and but when, but yet not yet. So, and I think it's firstly sorry for your loss. It's not easy to go through that, and we do get angry. We do question a lot. Why? Why is this happening? What, what's going on? Why can't you know? Whatever, and all those questions come up, and and all the different emotions are very much at the surface. So. What I'd like to know from you, Catherine, is a little bit about how you discovered your gifts. What ha- you know, what happens with them, and how you know you're connecting with with God, with the deceased, and with people in comas. Well, um, I've been uh, sharing this gift with others for about 32 years. Well, 32 years. And um, for me, uh, the experience is um, actually I just, I don't have some sort of process. It's not woo-woo-y. I'm not going somewhere else or being taken over. Um, it's it's just that um, I uh, kind of just remain open and the energy is available and I believe this energy, this love is available to all of us at all times. So while I know what I do is super unique, I don't think that um, it's not something that we don't all already have embedded embedded in us, this ability to communicate with, of course, you know, spirit, God, um, our loved ones, and people are in coma. So for me, what happens is, um, well, I'll go backtrack a bit. In the beginning, I was in graduate school studying communication, and it was like um, God's cosmic joke that said, you want an advanced degree in communication, I'll give you one. And um, these strange experiences started happening where I would get these uh, urges or like messages to go up to complete strangers and say something, you know, in a restaurant, and I think I'm losing my mind, and be like, say it, say it, say it, like a kid, kind of, and I'd go up to complete strangers, and I'd say, you know, excuse me, but the, the, the the blue car under the trundle bed, and the person would start having crying or whatever cryptic thing I said made complete sense to them and they would start having a a reaction and I'd be so embarrassed. I'd be like, okay, bye. Um, And uh, the person that they were dining with would look at them and look at me and, you know, like what's going on? Um, And there were lots of different things that happened in the beginning um, very dramatically. and but the people always understood the messages and i thought you know i was going crazy but i was uh you know but i was smart enough to know that i couldn't get complete strangers to collude in my delusions and those messages over time became um full dialogues you know hour long conversations if you will um and uh you know i've shared my gift very quietly until our book Beyond Ever After came out. Um, but I've done hundreds and hundreds of these, um, uh, facilitated these connections. And it's always healing. It's affirming to people. And, uh, yeah. it. And when you're doing it, um, it doesn't seem odd. It's just, Joanne, it's just like you and I having this conversation. It's very natural and normal you know Catherine I totally get it (laughs) no I I get it and I believe that we all have the capacity for tapping into that gift as well when I work with people and do energy work we sometimes people from the other side or have messages and and we I convey them and yeah, when you start when you first do that it feels like a little bit crazy and you're wondering is this for real? Am I re- you know, where is this coming from? And then like you said you get more used to it and less embarrassed and and have more 
feeling and more connection to it. So I think it's important. I think it's important to to know that we can connect with people beyond and that there's a way like with you that can do that so beautifully and help us reach out. Um, I want to tell you a real quick story um, because I get visitations from my mother and my cat that are deceased. And one time my father came and he used to be an avid smoker. And I said to him, Dad, you, you know, I can't, the house smelled of smoke. I said, Dad, you really can't smoke in here. It's <laughs> well, he never did that again. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that's people who are reading our book Beyond Ever After. That's what they're saying is that, and and we have an option where people can share their own stories and and just like your story, everyone has had that experience. And one of our things we hope to come from the book and 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 is is that people trust these things that they're not crazy or if you feel your grandmother's with you, then she's with you. You don't have to go, oh, that's, I must be crazy or, you know, is that that is an intimate loving connection with people that doesn't die at death. And so trusting ourselves and allowing ourselves, you know, through the portals of our hearts, we're always connected, always to those who are alive and those who are gone. Right, and I think that's so important to convey to people, and thank you for sharing that, because I think that though that communication doesn't have to die. It doesn't die, actually, and if you're open to it rather than fearful of it, it can really be beautiful, and it can bring us a sense of hope, a sense of love, a sense of peace, and and, and on and on and on. So let's get back a little bit, Jocelyn, to... You finally connected with Catherine, feeling that you needed some guidance and, and, and being able to find out more about what was going on with Kevin in a coma. How did, how did the communication start, and what did you think about it? Well, Catherine, uh, we talked, started talking on the phone, and we made a small talk for a minute, and I, I didn't know Catherine at all, I really uh, she's a friend of my sister's, and she's just, I hear her writing. You know, you can, you know how you can tell when you hear someone's pen on a page. And uh, she starts writing, and then she stops, and she reads this intro, which is all the writings have a God intro. And they're all very particular to the writing and very metaphorical, and they kind of portend what's coming, although you don't know it at the time. And um, And then she says, I hear a man's voice. And I go, well, who is it? And he goes, it's me, Kevin. I mean, this, this is all through Catherine. So when I say, I, right. you know, we're, this is all through Catherine. I'm not speaking to him directly. And, um, and I said, well, where are you? And he, he said it wasn't a place. He, he thought he was in a post-anesthesia dream. That's what he said. He thought he was in a post-anesthesia dream. He didn't know he'd been in a coma for 26 days. And he had no idea that all this had been happening around him, although he knew I had been with him. And... Um, and I and then he asked a few things about the kids. Well, how are the kids? And he used their names and said a few generalities. And I thought, you know, Catherine could have heard from my sister what my kids' names are and those generalities. And I was not really sure it was him. I mean, because it, it's such an unbelievable experience when you're having it. And I so desperately right. wanted it to be him because, you know, I, I was scared and I wanted to talk to him if I could. And so I asked him, a test question. I said, you know, what's the last thing you remember? And he told me something so specific that Catherine couldn't possibly know, which was that um, as he was getting wheeled into the surgery, he reached up and took the surgeon's hand and said, thank you for doing this, Linda. That was the name of the surgeon, Dr. Linda Liao. Mm. And, um, uh, And when the surgery was done, the doctor had come out to tell us how the surgery had gone. And before she started, she said, you know, I just got to tell you, your husband's the nicest man. As they were wheeling him in, he reaches up and he grabs my hand and he says, thank you for doing this, Linda. And I nearly fell off my chair when Catherine conveyed that because the only people that heard it were me and my two kids. And, you know, half an hour later, the artery had torn his head in the recovery room and everything went south and I never really thought about it again until 
I asked that question, and he said that. And at that moment, I knew I was talking to him. And I, I was just completely blown away. My axis was shifted. My whole world changed, you know, because it, how can it not, you know? Oh, I and agree. Then, how did you, how, oh, go ahead. More incredibly, he started to rouse himself out of the coma during that session. Yes, in, wow. in the first writing, when he, when after we, through Catherine, we're telling him, no, no, you are not dreaming. You are really sick, and things are really bad, and you're in a coma. And um, he said, well, since I'm not dreaming, I, I thought I, I should try and wake myself up. And so he, he, it, during that writing, that first session, he started to rouse himself from the coma once he knew through Catherine that he wasn't just dreaming. Pretty amazing. How did your kids respond to to what was going on? Well, they didn't. Um, I don't think they knew right when I did the first writing, um, um, and then they. I mean, they of course they were devastated that their father was, you know, in this coma. Um, and then afterwards, I told them about it, and it's it's funny. Their reactions were mixed, um, uh, and. Um, one of them, my kids are Christians, and my husband was a Christian, and they felt like he would not want this to happen because the Bible talks about, you know, these things can be not um, of God, even though, of course, I know this is of God. And anyone who's ever had any interaction with Catherine in these writings, it's it's all about God. But there is some language in the Bible that might indicate otherwise, although there's other language that indicates something different. And so they were concerned about that, that, you know, he wouldn't want this because he was a Christian. But in the, if you read the book, as you know, in the later writing, in the hospice writing, he talks to the children and he tells them, look, this is all of God. You know, me being your dad was of God, and this whole experience is a blessing, and it's it's from God. So I think that kind of, um, you know, changed their tune a little at the time. And yeah, and I think, I think it's also such a beautiful way for them to 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 see and to feel some healing in terms of their dad and in terms of their belief and whatever. So I think that that, that was so important, too. Uh, Catherine, were you going to say something? Um, well, also that their dad got to say his last goodbye to them when he was in hospice um, and you know, also pointing out to listeners, which we make the point of in the book too, is that Kevin was given the opportunity to say goodbye through um, through the writing, but we all never know when we're going, and especially during these times. So the importance for him to say his goodbye to his children and them to um, be able to hear his message as he imparted his credo for life. So I also in the book we encourage people don't wait till you're on your deathbed to tell people you love them, to tell them um how much they mean to you. And you know, um and Kevin was given that opportunity and it made it tremendous. These children, you can imagine doing a writing and having Two lawyers, her husband was also a lawyer, him, her, and the lawyer's children. You know, it was like the great inquisition when they were like, how do I know that this is my dad? And asking more test questions and then then realizing, wow, this is all real. So, you know, I think that's that, that's so important, what, the message, too, that we should not wait to tell people that we love them, that we care about them, how much they mean to us. Because I think, like you said, it, we never know when that time is going to come. And we're not, we don't always have a Catherine right there to be able to help us with that communication beyond. And, and it's so fulfilling to do that and to share your heart with people. So I love that encouragement, and I think it's, it's so very, very important. So how... I'm going to go back a little bit to Catherine. In terms of 
what you do, your you call them your writings, and it's very guided. You get that information. It's like downloading it in, to some extent. Um, were you ever doubting it? I mean, you said that that you felt uncomfortable at the beginning going up to people, and 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 if you did doubt it, how did you get past that to to really get to a place of of affirmation and confirmation with that and confirmation. Well, um, I always had the affirmation, I mean, when I would stick around long enough, and I knew that I couldn't know. I mean, I'm a very smart lady, you know, (laughs) but I'm also a realist, and I thought there's no way I could know this information. But I was still troubled, and a woman... Uh, that I have so much respect for that's 98 now and just like so faith-filled, she said, I said, what is this? She said, it's gifts of the spirit. But I really wasn't convinced, so I ended up, she said, I have these two priests, um, and they're also psychologists, and they were coming to town. She goes, you can talk to them. And I talked to them, and they said, well, you know, yeah, this is gifts of the Spirit. And how do people respond? That's how you judge the fruits. And I and I said, well, always positively, you know. And they said, well, if, if what comes from it is good, you know it's from God. And if you see any ill effects, then you know that it's uh, some kind of darker thing. Well, um, you know, I... Uh, and and just as Jocelyn told the story of her of Kevin recounting what he said be, while he was being re, uh, wheeled into surgery, that happens all the time where people are, um, you know, where it's so specific that um, there's no way anybody, and it's not random. I had a woman, and her husband started. Uh, talking and I use the word talking but really I'm tapping into the energy and it's not like I'm you know I'm taking a dictation from him and uh, anyway he said it's like I have all the vowels now and she said what and she told me that they used to play Scrabble and guess what if you have vowels you can spell all the words (laughs) but so Things are so um, so particular to people, so that's how I knew, and I got cozy with it, and it was a process. But I would say after about maybe six months into this, you know, um, I just was like, okay, I can't explain this. I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, it's real, and and I'm going with it, so... I did, and I have ever since, and and I know that the world is so much more uh, porous and fluid than we're taught to believe, you know, because I, I live in a world of love and magic and get to see how people are always connected in love. You know, I love that, and, and I feel that way, too, and it just feels so much more enriching and, and beautiful. I want to share a very quick story. Very early on, when I actually was seeking some help for some information, I was speaking to somebody who not that doesn't necessarily do what you do, but somebody who was connecting with my deceased grandmother, and she said to me, she said, your grandmother is very insistent. She's telling you that your mother has a ring, it's her ring, her engagement ring, and she wants you to have it. And I didn't know anything about it. So I went to my mother afterwards, and I said, Mom, Grandma, and I didn't know what my mother was going to think about that. Grandma said that you have a ring of hers, and she wanted me to have it. Well, I spent a lot of time, days, weeks, whatever, trying to get that across and being so insistent that finally my mother gave me the the ring that she had. Uh, fast forward, months later, uh, her safe deposit box was, was broken into and the other jewelry, except for this ring, was stolen. And my mm-hmm. grandmother's ring, because we had salvaged it, is, is mm. you know was was saved so yeah wow. I totally get it. isn't that amazing you know I I recently did a, a writing for an uh, an a very elderly woman and her daughter and the daughter uh, the the 
she was talking to her deceased husband who had died when her children were small. So he had been gone long time. So, you know, it doesn't matter uh, the time frame of how long people have been gone. But um, anyhow, he said, I'll always picture you. And this is how I like, I always will picture you in, in your blue dress. And her daughter said, blue dress and then her mother told her she said yeah you know I wasn't married in a wedding dress I was married in a in a light blue suit and she they even sent me the picture and her daughter didn't even know so it was just like so perfect (laughs) and of course the man would not go it's a blue suit to him it was a a blue dress you know (laughs) yeah I think it's it's wonderful and I think these communications and the connection that we can have with people beyond this this life is is so important and like you said it it just makes for so much more fulfillment and loving and and just knowing so much more so let's let's get a little bit back to Jocelyn here so after Kevin came out of the coma for a little bit and and how how were the last goodbyes? Because your children were involved with that too. What was that like? And and can you share that with our listeners? Well, he um, he uh, came out of the coma as, as Catherine and I shared, and then unfortunately he um, got he, he got sick again. The the tumor came back that they had taken out, and and he was back in a coma. And we were um, we came back to Santa Barbara to go to the hospice facility, um, which is a whole other story. But um, and that's and in the book I should say there's six complete writings, and and those are really the the kind of the meat of the book is the is the writings. And so we had this hot. We came to Santa Barbara. We had a hospice writing, and because Catherine called me and said, you know, I just have this inkling I should come again. At this point, when she would say that. After two of them, I'm like, yeah, come right now. And so she came and did one with our kids, and they, they had their kind of last goodbye. And it was great because he was able to talk to them about, you know, why he lived the life the way he did. And it was in large part because of his brother, which is something I never really knew. Um, his brother had died of the same thing Kevin did when he was only 17 years old. And that experience really shaped Kevin, which is what he was sharing with our kids. And then... Um, the next day after that hospice writing and the kids had said their goodbye um, and my husband had said their goodbye, his goodbye to them, I get a call from Catherine and she said, you know, I, I have something for you. And I said, what? You know, and I, she said, Kevin wanted to send you a, a message. And I thought it was just like, you know, thanks for letting me talk to kids or something like that. And she said, no, you know, he, he sent you a love letter. And that was kind of his, mm-hmm. I'm going to cry now, you know, his final goodbye to me. How beautiful and very personal. You know, it really, it really was because, and, and I, and I, I would hope your listeners would do this and not wait, and because you don't, most people won't get the opportunity like Kevin did, but um, you know, to just share with the people you love now what it is about them that you treasure, because they will, they will hold those, those words, you know, forever. Right, and and, and, and those words allow them to the love, and, and, um, and no matter time, no matter space, time, or whatever, it, it continues. So it, it's really so beautiful. So I love this book, A Journey Through Death and Afterlife. Beyond Ever After is the title. Beyond Ever After, and how did you both get to write this book? What was the rationale, the reason for it? And share that a little bit with your listeners. I want to get a little bit more in depth with the book because I think it's so important for people to see how beautiful our existence can be. And this is another aspect to, to our sense of fulfillment. So, um, Catherine, you want to start? Well, um, you know, I do hundreds and hundreds. They're all wonderful stories. But this story, Kevin and Jocelyn, it it was it was very special. Jocelyn and I became friends um, over you know these writings, and uh, so she said 
this is such a great story. If you ever wanted to tell it, you know, I would, you know, I give you permission. But then she said, you know, if you want to do it, I can help, you know, I'd help you. And so um, we started, um, and, you know, the book is a four-part narrative. It's God, Kevin is, Kevin, all Kevin's ideas about death, and his, really, the book is really him coaching Jocelyn through her through the death, really, and and being present to her, um, and so we uh, we knew that the writings, you know, probably sixty percent of the book is writing is the actual writings as they were done, and so Jocelyn came in and put the story around those writings because she tells you and the reader what the certain things mean and their significance. And then I put the the spiritual overlay kind of in in it from having, you know, done this and had such uh, years of uh, field study, let's say, (laughs) a front row seat. And so um, we collaborated on it. And then, Jocelyn, maybe you want to tell them about Kevin's bucket list. Well, Jocelyn, before you do that, before you do that, because I want you to include that, how did you feel, and and why was that book important for you to to get out there? Well, um, you know, at, at first I didn't want to do it because I was too like grief in my grief. You know, it, it took a while to come to where I felt like you know that I was ready to do it, and Kevin. Um, had and as Catherine mentioned this bucket list he had always wanted to take a missions trip and he um, got too sick and he he couldn't do it and I always felt like um, that this would be the missions trip that he never got to take because in when Kevin is dying and after he's dead the writing has uh, after death writings in there as well you know what he shares no one else can share Uh, you know he's sharing a perspective that you and i can't share because he's having an experience that we can't have and share from you know most people can't communicate from a coma they don't have the ability to like a catherine there to communicate from a coma and after they're dead and so the, the what he talks about about life and communication and consciousness and connection and love and it's just it's so um you know, it, it's I can't I can't even describe what he's conveying, the importance of what he's conveying, because it's you know everyone wants to I think know you know what's it like when we die, and what happens and what happens after, and I've had you know dozens of conversations with him, and and I know now you know. I don't know what's going to happen exactly for me because everyone's experience is, is different, but I know that there is something else. And I don't, because of it, I don't, my main thing, takeaway from this, and this is what I want the readers to get out of, is that death isn't a failure. And Kevin said that from the very first writing, that I thought it was, he knew it wasn't. And just especially in these days with everything that's going around. I mean, I'm worried and stressed out just like everybody else. You know, I've got kids. I don't want people I love to get sick and die. But if that happens, it's not because, you know, something's wrong. And I know that it, it's everything will be okay even with that. And that message, especially now for people, I think is really important. And that's the main thing I wanted to convey with this book is that message of hope that Kev and love um, that Kevin could provide, and that he and I think be reunited. Oh, and, and that well, yeah, for me, that's I, the main thing. The main thing for me is that we're going to be the reunited, reunited the, re, not, the reunion, right? Yes, yeah, and that not a second would have passed. And I, in the first writing we had after he died, um, that was the one question. I mean, aside from what exactly his experience was right when he died, because in the moment that he died, you know, he'd been in a coma, and his eye, his face had palsy, and he had nerve damage, and he was just a mess. 
And but in the, after he died, after his heart stopped beating and he took his last breath, he made this kind of surprise gasp. Both eyes opened up, and he had this look of wonder and joy on his face. And so when he died, and we had the first after death writing, and I asked, I wanted to know two things. One, what did you see? Because he had this look of just wonder and glory on his face, and I and I wanted to know because I I knew at that moment that he saw what he was going to and that in the time provided me so much comfort because it looked like it was a good experience you know he was not looking like what? he wasn't happy he, he looked blissed right. out what? that's the only way what did he absolutely blissed out and um like he caught the best wave ever he was a surfer you know he just looked really happy <laughs> uh, no he did really and then the other thing i wanted to know was oh, I, I get, I get it again. i know because when I my been, mother was passing, she had this look on her, this 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 look on her face, and I just I said to, like it was this, I can't explain it. It it was this beautiful. It was a little bit of a faraway look, and yet there was so much peace. I said, Mom, are you talking to the angels? I mean, she was just I. I so I get it. I total I totally understand that, and and I think it's so and important. And I can picture it in my you know my head right now, just the ex- exact look on his face. And um, and then I, you know, I wanted to know if we were going to be together again because I had been cursing this God I wasn't even sure existed, and I was so afraid that I just, you know, angered this, you know, all omnipresent mm. being, and that my punishment would be that I wouldn't get to see my husband again. Now, of course, I don't feel that way now. I know God's love is all expansive. I know this wasn't a punishment to me, although when it's happening to you, even with the blessings I've had of having Catherine there, you still feel like it's a punishment. And even with Kevin telling me, this is not a punishment, you know, you know, stop, Marsha, 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 this isn't a punishment to you, this is just how it goes. Um, you know, you feel that way. And so to hear from him, he said he'd had a long talk with God, that it was beautiful, and that, yes, we were going to be together again, and not it's going to be like a blink of an eye, and not one moment has passed. And in the last now almost seven years since he's died, there's been a lot of very long moments and very um, alone times. And, I, and what's gotten me through is thinking, okay, this is a blink of an eye, a blink of an eye. I'm going to be with you again soon. And that's really, that's and really sustained me through a lot of challenges I've had in the last seven years. You know, and that's really important to recognize that we can be reunited with the, those people that we've loved that that have passed on, and and it's again it's life affirming from all different ways and all different it's not just a linear like this lifetime it's just life affirming and connection affirming so it's so very beautiful and 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 i think so important to know that so i appreciate you sharing that so how do we get people to really connect to their own intuition and to the sense of the divine and and feel comfortable and and whole through that experience, Catherine? Well, um, you know, I think the really to know that that the people we love, even if they pass, they're always in our hearts. They're always there. That's like, and we've all, we know, we accept how this works sometimes where we think of a friend we haven't talked to in 20 years and then they call us. We can, but really understand that our hearts have so much further reach than our minds, than our technology, um, and that's always available. And instead of, um, I uh, instead of, grasping grasping for connection grasping uh, to 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 know your loved one hold it gently try to be the open palm and understand if in grief and fear it sort of can bubble wrap us in a way we become raw and it's like bubble wrap and so it's harder for that to penetrate and so people might say, well, I haven't felt my loved one, or I don't know, it's been two years, and then all of a sudden they appear. So I think, and also I I like to think of wonder and grace are on the periphery. This um, 
what Jocelyn got to experience in like you with your mother, that's a kind of an in-your-face, right front and center experience. But for many of us, it's soften that gaze because they're trying to communicate. And sometimes it's on the edge. It's subtle. And the more that we open to the subtleties and soften our gaze, the more that those experiences can we can become aware of them and open to them. And also a really big one, Joanne, is don't go, oh, I must be crazy. That didn't happen. Just say thank you. Thank you to your loved one. Thank you. And also talk to them. They hear you. Even though, you know, do it in, we, we used to be in our cars. <laughs> Not anymore. We're all staying home in California <laughs> and all over. But they can hear us. And, um, of course, they want to be with us to strengthen us just like we want for all our loved ones here. So if you have an experience don't tell yourself it's nothing, you imagined it. Just say thank you. Don't The mind will want to come in and analyze it and talk you out of it. Just say, wow, I don't understand that. That makes no sense to my rational mind, but that felt good and it brought me peace. So I'm going with that. And also, the more that we open those perspectives, the more we see, the more that periphery of grace and wonder can um fall in more to our central vision and and having a belief that it's possible i believe is pretty much essential although not necessary i know some things that are dramatic and you know people's whole lives change because they had an experience but um you know holding that possibility why wouldn't why wouldn't this love be the most powerful force in the universe and capable of doing all of that in all realms. So, um, you know, that's what I would say. And and if you start having these experiences, maybe your loved one's visiting somebody else too. So you might ask your sister, you know, not like, you know, the other night the phone rang and the phone was disconnected and I it was mom's old phone. You know, maybe you don't want to freak people out, but you can say, <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about mom. Have you been thinking about mom or whatever? Because sometimes they're not just coming to that person. They may be making the rounds. And I, I don't know this to be true, but I think in this time with all the uncertainty that all of those people, all of our loved ones are probably trying to hold us, comfort us, and be present to us even more. Um, so also open that dialogue and have that dialogue, that dialogue of appreciation for the living, that dialogue about your beliefs and your share your story. When we give talks and at our website, people all are having these experiences and they'll say, you know, I was eight years old, but I never told anybody about that. These are the most intimate, sometimes most pivotal and profound experiences we can have. So open that dialogue with others, be open to belief, and don't squint. Don't squint, just loosely, <laughs> softly. No, I think, I think what you're saying is so important. And the more we stay open to it and have a sense of gratitude about it rather than the fear or the doubt, the more beautiful that experience becomes. Now, what about animals? Because my beloved Selena, who's been gone for several years, I actually, and this could be me, I actually see her in the house. Every once in a while, I'll turn around, and it's like she's there, and she's communicating with me. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely, and why wouldn't it? Our pets are unconditional love incarnate, and they're so loyal. So, yes, I just gave a big IANS talk here in Santa Barbara that sound clouded about a dog that left died and told his mother I want to come back as this I want to I want a tail and this dog she got a puppy that looks exactly her dog was a Rottweiler and said I want to be a girl I want to have a wagger which turned out to be a tail and you know and and then said come get me I'm here and within 24 hours she went and this puppy was on Craigslist 
It was a mixed breed of a red Queensland healer and a black lab, and honestly, it looks like honey, I shrunk the Wattweiler. So absolutely, <laughs> sometimes they find their way back, but they're always with us. Absolutely. And, you know, they're angels. They help. When my sister-in-law was dying, my Papillon dog, she would was talking to someone like your mother who I don't, you know, she and she'd say, no, it's not my dog, it's their dog. So... Yes, our pets love us, you know, maybe more so than our our relatives that know us, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful, us. it really is. And we are running out of time. Somebody has a question, so um, we may have to be brief, but I didn't want, she's been waiting a long time. So are you okay to answer a question? Sure. Okay, and we're running out of time, like I said. So you're on the air. And you've been very patient. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, Did you have a question for Catherine? Um. Yes, I'm, I appreciate y'all taking my call, first of all. And um, my, my boyfriend had died last month on St. Patrick's Day, and um, his name was Charles. And um, th- um, his death um, just seemed like it came quick and out of nowhere. And I was wondering if, if he... If he's always around me, and um, and will I meet him when I go to the other side as well? Well, Catherine? you know, yeah, I would say, of course, Charles, you know, Charles is your love for Charles and his love for you. That's something that the death of the body can't take from you. So, yes, mm-hmm. our, I would say he is with you, he is present, and... um and and as far as being together you know i what i know is what we expect what we believe we receive we don't all get the same hereafter but mm-hmm. clearly if that's something that you're seeing for yourself then yes absolutely and speak to him and feel him and even if it you know i understand it can make you sad but you're sad anyway so yes, that love, that love can that doesn't die, and that's that's Beautiful. the central message. And you know, Thank I have you, to. Sarah. I know we're running out of time, but I have to t- chime in for a second about your Charles. He is with you all the time. I've had dozens of writings, like I said, since Kevin's died, and mm-hmm. what they see, it's everything. It's it's eerie. They he comments on when my son decided to pick up the guitar about um going out with friends. I mean it he is with you. He's with you always wonderful. So always. Much. Good. So we only have a few minutes here and um what I'd like you both to do is to share with our listeners how they can get a hold of this book because I think that it's it's so valuable and it would really open our hearts and our minds and our spirits and really be able to feel that ongoing sense of love and and connection. So would you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of the book and you guys? Sure. Our book is Beyond Ever After. And it's Catherine Weisenberg and Jocelyn Montanero. It's available on Amazon as an ebook and also as a book that they can send you. Um, so Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey Through Death in the Afterlife. And I'm sure they can look uh, at your website, too, and the title of the book will be there. Also, um, uh, we also have a website, which is beyondeverafter.com. Um, that's beyondeverafter.com, and there's a link to buy the book in there, but there's also um, a way to share your story. So um, if you want to, you know, a lot of times, and now we have a lot of time on our hands, uh, (laughs) feel free. You can share your story with us of of your experience with your loved one. Um, We don't share it, and we won't release it without your permission. So it's confidential, so don't worry about that. So beyondeverafter.com is the website, and Beyond Ever After, A Heart-to-Heart Journey um, Through Death in the Afterlife, Catherine Weisenberg and Jocelyn Montanero is available on Amazon. 
Wonderful. Thank you both so much. You brought so much to our listeners. And again, that that beautiful realization and confirmation that actually Jocelyn came about for you after disbelief or whatever. That's something that's so heartwarming that we can all hold in our hearts and believe and feel that our connections with those who are deceased never die. So thank you both for all that you do and for the gift that you're giving to others. Well, thanks for the gift you're sharing. And thank you again for having us. And stay safe, everybody. Yes, thank you. So remember what's important in terms of being able to know that death isn't the end of our connection, of our love, and that if, as Catherine said, if you're feeling that connection with someone, don't don't doubt that, don't disbelieve yourself, feel it, love it, and if you're having those experiences, do so with gratitude. It's a very special time to be connected. And as Jocelyn said, we want you all to be safe, to take care, and to remember how very special you are and each of us has a gift that we have to bring to our loved ones and even to those who have departed. So thank you for being here. And if you want to get a hold of me, I'll give you the short version. You can go to docwhite.org. And remember, you have the ability to power your life and to feel empowered, and that's up to you, and you don't have to do anything big. And right now, powering your life is about keeping social distancing or physical distancing really being in a place of faith and and really and hope and taking good care. So thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.